Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark. Blog Talk Radio. Once again, once again, once again, you're tuned in live to your 15 Minutes Radio Network, and we are talking beyond words. Of course, we're going to continue talking about the pandemic, everything that's going on, but one of the things that we certainly wanted to talk about tonight is leadership. And, of course, we have our awesome, dynamic, wonderful geniuses on the phone who we love so much, Darrell and Shanessa. How are you guys doing today? Good. I'm doing good, too. Okay, great, great, great. Well, as you all know, and I'm sure you, you, you both have watched, oh, God. <laughs> I'm sure you've watched <laughs> the press conferences. <laughs> I have to take a deep breath because I'm trying to, um, never mind, I'm not even going to say it. I'm going to participate in this conversation uh, specifically because we are talking about leadership and we're looking at the top first, you know, on a national level, but also leadership in your own home and how that is working during this pandemic. Um Again, many of you have watched the press conferences, and I'm surprised people haven't started making a drinking game out of this whole situation at this point, Uh, the reality uh, show that's happening right now. So, Darrell, talk to us about leadership at the highest level. How do you feel that uh, Trump is handling this whole response to this pandemic? I think Trump is handling this pandemic exactly the way I would expect Trump to handle this pandemic. Like, if you would have asked me, you know, four years ago or five years ago, going on four years ago, hey, Trump's going to win, he's going to be the president, and during election year, you know, three years in, there's going to be a big pandemic, what's going to happen? I would say, oh, he's probably going to handle the press conferences the way he handled the press conferences of his campaign. He's going to probably treat people the way that he treated his colleagues and other opponents. He's probably going to do it that same way. And so I think he's kind of doing that. I I have, uh, you know, Oprah said, when people tell you who they are, uh, believe them. And so I'm shocked that people are still shocked. And and I would say, you know, it's probably even – it's probably worse than I would have assumed because we're in this weird, like – you know, alternate universe where the planets have aligned in the opposite direction. It's like everything that could have gone wrong um, has, and I think 
we're just all reeling from those effects. It, it's hard to watch without laughing, actually, because it's like it's like watching an SNL or a Mad TV skit. So, do you think people are more shocked or disappointed? I think, in general, people probably stopped looking to Trump for any kind of. Uh, Real updates. If you look at his presidency thus far, he usually lies. He usually adds to the truth. He usually <laughs> makes things bigger than they are. So it's like, you know, oh. when he said everything was fine and it was a hoax, I really thought the opposite. I was like, oh, this is really serious. To be honest, if he had come on and said, this is very serious, this is something that we should all be worried about. This is going to, I probably would have taken it less seriously. But the fact that, you know, he said that it was a hoax and it's almost like he was trying to hide it. Um, yeah, mm. I, don't, I don't think people, I don't think people in general are surprised. I think people are looking to get their information from other sources. And I, I think that's better. I think we're more dependent on each other and ourselves to be able to decide what's real and what's not. Now, Janessa, Darrell took the opposite approach as far as um, believing what um, this president is saying. What was your approach when you initially heard that it was a hoax um, and then you, you know, here we are now and we know that it's not? What was your approach? So because I work in in a in healthcare um, as marketing even, um, I take viruses of any nature are very serious, even something that was quite often compared, the flu virus, for example. So when he said it was a hoax, I just, I thought I was going to pass out because um, if you look at the track record of what's a hoax in this president's eyes, everything that he can't handle is a hoax. Um, Everything that he can't um, mitigate is a hoax. So immediately my alarms went off that this is just as serious as the medical professionals and scientists are saying um, that is serious. And I began to look at research on it to, to reassure myself that um, this is serious. <laughs> um, I never looked to him um, to be the voice of um, not just reason, but the voice of decency on anything that relates to the health and welfare of people. But as as you watch him, you you can kind of you, you can get the perception that he's in his element. I mean, loving of every course. moment he, of this. Yeah, he thinks he's in control, but he's not. So with with that knowledge, though, when when I'm watching him, and I'm sure when other people are watching him, we we're thinking more. Okay, so your thought process is I'm in this element. This is my thing, but it doesn't appear that this is about the country. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Does it feel like okay, we're learning something that's going to be valuable information for us to move forward? <laughs> No, because I will say this. After the third press conference, I stopped watching them. Um, I figured if there was something newsworthy to come out of them, that would be reported. 
Um, it is um, for the – I can't say what I really think, but it is a show unlike any other. And I can't believe that anyone in leadership needs that much a pray, uh, approval and praise to give us an update on a dire situation. Um, I really couldn't get past everyone glad-handing each other on the great job they're doing when we still at, – at that time, did not have adequate testing, and today we don't have adequate testing. So this whole administration, for the lack of a better, to put it in very simple terms, this whole administration is a basket of incompetence wrapped in trash. That's what it is. It has done nothing great for us. We have a plan that is, quite fr frankly, as effective as natural family planning. What's going to happen when we all go back outside? So it's like, are you yeah. serious? What is the plan? You know what it feels like? Well, you know what it feels like? It feels like I remember being young and like carpooling with my friends to the bar and like we all, you know, we all rode with, with Bill and, or Steve and, you know, eventually Steve has too much to drink and it's up to someone to say, Steve shouldn't drive home. One of us is going to drive his car home, and I feel like Steve's driving, and we're all in the car with him. And not only are we in the car, we're on the freeway right now. And things are slowly spiraling out of control. It's raining. It's dark. And I think we have to take more of it um, in, in, in our hands because he's not listening to experts. But if you look over the past mm -hmm. three years, he's – that this has been the trend, you know. He said one thing; the, the Secretary of State has said another. He said one thing only to be, you know, proven wrong by generals and other, you know, people leaders of the individual departments. And even right now, you have the you have Trump saying things, and they're shut down by Fauci, like respectfully, of course, because Fauci wants to keep his job. And yet, could you imagine? You know, in, in typical Trump form, some kind of way Fauci, uh, who's kind of one of the leading experts on this, wasn't there. So who do you believe? I mean, again, this is leadership being displayed where there is a sense of bullying and talking down to a lot of people. And, and my perspective is he's teaching children how to treat other people. But mm -hmm. who do you believe? When, when you're watching this and you're trying to gain insight of what's next, what's happening, you know, because some of us like a semblance of control, who do you believe in leadership right now? At, like I said, at the top or even at your local level, who do you believe right now is really providing you with some insight that uh, you can move forward with? I, I think it's, when, when I look at any politician that's speaking, Trump included, uh, and a lot of the major networks have even reported on this, he's looking at this as a political opportunity. This is actually probably helping his numbers the more often he's on television. And I would say the same thing goes for the different governors and mayors of different cities. It's almost like this is their time to shine. So I look at everything that they say through that lens. And then I look over at the media, and I understand, you know, every night you watch the evening news, and they only have so many minutes to 
talk about this thing, and it's got to be as salacious and as provocative as possible because they have a different goal. I'm looking to the experts who are not under the, the, the time guidelines of, you know, the news, nor are they under the, the control of the elected officials who are just looking for, you know, looking for their, their time uh, on the TV screen. One, one very local um, member of Congress is a professional at this, and I've seen them almost every press conference, whether it has to do with Houston or not. Um, I think that's just something that we're up against. So when I look on the when I'm looking on YouTube and I'm seeing people from universities and hospitals that have letters in front of and behind their name and they're giving advice and it and it it, it seems justified, that's who I'm listening to right now. When it comes to how to respond specifically to COVID. Because if you look at it, at one point, if you remember we were told not to wear masks. And it's almost like a scene from some sitcom. Now everyone is saying to wear masks. And, you know, at one point there was a lot of talk about, you know, we're going to – there were rumors that we were going to shut down Houston. They were all over Facebook, all over Instagram. And locally our mayor came on, I think, uh, wrongfully so, and he he tried to contradict what they were saying when I think – it was inevitable that it was going to happen. That could have been his opportunity to say, "Yes, we, you know, it's 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 coming to to give us some forewarning." But instead, he said, "That's not true. We're not going to go on lockdown anytime soon." And and mm-hmm. and the very next day, we saw the county judge go on and say that in fact we were going on lockdown. So it's really hard to 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 decide who to pay attention to, but I'm paying attention to those who have the least to gain from it individually. Janessa? You know, I'll take one point at a time. When we talk about the whole, you know, don't wear masks, let's just say what that really was. That really was a response to the unreadiness of the government and the unreadiness of the manufacturing world where there's been a shortage of masks, regardless of the um, protection type, since January. And I'm talking about the very basic masks that you would find in your doctor's office if you were suffering from a cough or you thought perhaps you had the flu. So this was a response mm-hmm. to that. It's always been known that this was a respiratory this was a respiratory virus, that it could be contracted. So this was the attempt and the push by even the attorney general, stop wearing masks is not helping you because they didn't have enough for our healthcare providers. Mm. So now that they are turning the tide on that, now they're like, hey, maybe people in these hotspots really should be wearing masks to protect themselves and to, to limit the spread. It's all been politicized, which is another reason why I am like this administration this country is, um, is, we don't even deserve this. As bad as this country is, we don't deserve this. The second thing I will say is that this whole, I'm going to allow governors and mayors and local counties to determine what stay-at-home orders, this is about as effective, as I said before, as natural family planning. It is absolutely ridiculous that we are having these conversations where um Let's see, one, at one point, five counties in the state of Texas were the only ones with stay-at-home orders. 
but most of them were surrounded by counties that were not have, that did not have stay at home orders. There is no concerted plan, and that is the problem. There should be a hey, here is our plan to limit the spread. Here is our plan to reengage people into their daily lives, but that is not clear. Every day there's some new, I hope this works, and I'm going to tell you a lot of people are going to die. And right now, the only reason it got dire last week, let's keep it real, because guess what? Now more, not just minorities were dying, now everybody's dying. And that's when it suddenly became real, because minorities, these hot spots of minorities and elderly people, they were expendable. Very true. Very true. So I'm just going to say now that that thought process is going to continue based on the numbers that are coming out with so many uh, minorities and in particular African Americans um, dying from um, the disease or the virus. When this pandemic response was politicized, absolutely, it's going to continue. The biggest threat to Donald Trump's presidency is the voting of minorities. Let's just be very candid and honest about that, particularly African-Americans over 55. But if you look at how just because of the occupations that we're in, because of where we live and our access to health care, we are more dramatically impacted by this. And not one person, not one person in this national leadership team decided, hey, maybe the Department of Human Health Services and the CDC should be doing things differently in these high vulnerable areas. No, what they did was they took the limited testing that we have and they moved it to the suburbs for those people who are making $60,000 or more. I would also add that when you look at what the, the decisions that came down, um, as far as, you know, which businesses were closed uh, and and sort of the lack of a uh, public service campaign to let people know what to do, it's going to impact African-Americans more, and, and here's why. When you b- make a blank, blanket statement to stay at home, right, only those with privilege mm-hmm. to do so can do that because a, a lot of people – live paycheck to paycheck, or they have to go to work in order to make money. So now you've told people across the board to stay at home. On one side, you have people that are like, oh, we'll just stay home, right? They they may live in a home where everyone can stay in a separate room. They may live in a home where, you know, all the kids have computers and the adults have computers to work. But on the other hand, you may have people, multiple families that are living in the same uh, abode. Or maybe they're smaller places. Um, you have public housing in places like New York and Chicago and Los Angeles even where it's more difficult, even with simple tasks like going to the grocery store where you're going to run into someone else. You're going to be more likely to, you know, go against flattening the curve, right? When you live in New York yeah. and your only way to the grocery store is to walk down the sidewalk, you're more at risk than the person who's living, you know, in Virginia or, you know, the nicer parts of California where, you know, they have a car and they can drive and they can do those things. But how – how, how is, Go ahead. 
I would also say when it comes to uh, like what the response is going to be for those that are not working, anytime that we've had a hurricane and we have to kind of shut things down for three or four days on a rolling basis, there's usually emergency food stamps that are issued. There's usually, you know, we sort of roll into this emergency response, and that's not happening right now. So you have, you know, millions of people that were told to either work from home or not at all, right, because they were laid off, and there's really no public campaign saying here's where you, where you need to call to apply for your food stamps. You know, to call your state rep office to get the direct plug in to the Department of Health and Human Services to, to get that rolling, right? Like there's no there's no thought about those people. There's nothing being mailed out. There's no expediting of this. So instead, people are getting in their cars or they're walking and they're lining up at food mm-hmm. banks and churches in order to eat, which is doing the opposite of what is being recommended. It's putting us, once again, at more risk because of what our bank accounts look like. Yeah. What's interesting to me, I think that um, leadership right now, they're giving um, confusing uh, messages that are quite confusing and contradictory. I spoke with um, a few drive-through testing site yesterday just to do a little research. And I called, um, and there was a young lady. She answered the phone, and I said, okay, I just want to know what is the process to, you know, do I just show up and go through the drive through And she said, no, you have to have a recommendation or referral, um, an order, that's what she called it, from the doctor. So what we need for you to do is download this Zoom thing, and then you're going to speak with the doctor, and after that, then if he says, you know, I guess that you're sick enough or what have you, then you can come in and you can um, go through the line, okay? So my next question was, so how much is this? Because I know that a lot of people are under the impression that all of them are free. She said, well, uh, to talk to the doctor is $40. She said, do you have insurance? I said, what if I don't? She said, well, that'll be $100. So when you listen to the media, many people are believing that, hey, I just get in the car, go get into the line, and this is how it works, but that it's not how it works. And then you have an older population that may not know anything about Zoom and all of these other Things and may not be interested in putting it on their computer if they have a computer. So I'm concerned about the contradictory messages that are being sent to from those in leadership. I, I agree. I think overall um, that is a major concern. When you see the reports out here that people are being billed thousands upon thousands of dollars for um, basic testing that we've been told time and time again is covered by the government and is going to be covered, that does give people pause, particularly those who are on the financial brink. However, mm-hmm. I think, again, this is where humanitarian strength should come out in play for our leadership team, and not just our national leaders, even local and state government 
to not encourage people who are uninsured or underinsured to get tested if they are a carrier or if they are just having major symptoms that could lead to their death, it's irresponsible. It is, it is literally the worst thing you can do as a human being, not as a politician, not as a um, whatever you want to call it, a state official or a local official. It is by far the worst thing that you can do. As we look to this testing, I think testing is, we've passed the threshold where testing mattered. Now it's like, how do we contain and how do we control? Because testing should have been wide available in January. Here we are three months later, and we're likely going to lose additional months because we're sitting around waiting for people to be tested. And right now, if you look at the backlog, um, my brother, who lives in Alabama, was tested 11 days ago. When he was initially tested, he was told he would receive his results within three days. Literally, he had to call every day, twice a day, in order to get those results. And if he had not followed through on the quarantine of shelter, you know, quarantining himself at home, he could have just went to work every day because guess what? I thought I would have my results within three days. And that's what yeah. some people are doing. They're not, they're like, oh, I feel better, I'm just going to go. And next thing you know, you find out that they're positive and they've been spreading this in their service capacities or because they're an essential employee or if their company has not shut down. I, I would also jump in and say a lot of the rules really don't make sense that, that are coming from leadership. For example, okay, uh, I went to HCB the other day, and instead of going right into the store, of course, because of social distancing, they want to limit the number of people in the store. So instead of me going right in to get what I wanted, I had to go and stand in line around other people. There were roughly 100 people in line waiting to get into oh, the God. store, right? And then I go in, I get what I need, and I'm standing in line once again to, 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 to leave. And as, there, as the cashier is checking me out, you know, scanning everything, she's kind of doing a TED Talk. She's using my selection as a demonstration for the rest of the people that are in line. So she said, up, oh, you can only have four of these. Up, and with these, you can only have two unless you get the family. So, I mean, she's doing that. And I'm thinking to myself, that makes no sense because all I have to do really, first of all, is go get back in the line, or I can go home and I can make separate orders on Instacart, the ATB app, Favor, the list goes on and on and on, and I can have 12 gallons of milk tonight, right? And then even more so, when you think about the fact that, okay, we've all been sent home. Children have been sent home. So you have all of these families, right? So if the limit is two gallons of milk, how often is this mother or father going to have to come back to your store and expose them? So, you know, that's one end of it, right? And then you have this other end where it's like, what is an essential worker, right? So on one hand, you have, of course, the hospitals and the firefighters and police. That, that, that makes sense. But why is Mattress Mac still open? Why can I go and look at dining room sets, but I can't just walk into HCB? It makes no sense. 
none whatsoever. Yeah, I, and, I, and I think they're just shooting from the hip. I said I, I cannot even answer that. Just as effective as natural family planning, because all we're doing is, hey, what about this? Hey, what about this? Instead of there being a concerted effort. I mean, the supply chain at stores haven't caught up with the fact that people are spending 24 hours a day at home. So when you talk about people hoarding food, no, they're not hoarding food. Guess what? We used to eat out three to four times a week, um, whether it's lunch Mm. or whether it's dinner, and now we're not doing that. Guess what? How am I? How else are we going to eat? <laughs> we're going to buy more food. So guess what? Adjust right. your supply chain so that it catches up. And when you have empty shelves and when you have no toilet paper for weeks or when you have no milk for days or no eggs, that creates another type of panic in people that makes them feel yeah. hopeless. hopeless. And that is another issue that has just not been addressed at all by this administration. My One of my um, concerns after this is all over and, and when we talk about leadership, my, my current concern really is that at a lot of the grocery stores in particular, and I will say H-E-B, Kroger, and um, I'm sure there are more of them, uh, the people at the store don't have on any protective gear. I have seen them with gloves. But mm-hmm. it seems like we are acting as if they are immune to the virus because they are choosing their livelihood at this point, and it's unfortunate if people think about it, you would rather put your life at risk so you're not homeless versus dying. Mm-hmm. So people have to make that decision. You, you'd you rather not be homeless than dead. It, 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 right. so, so nobody wants poverty. Poverty is mm-hmm. apparently the worst thing. And I understand, and I'm not saying that from a perspective of judging them. I'm saying it from the perspective of we keep saying how great America is. But people should not have to choose, I'm going to go to this job that may be paying me 10 or 11 or $12 or whatever. An That's hour. Being generous. <laughs> okay, exactly. So like I shouldn't have to choose whether to... Go into this job for which you're celebrating me now, but at the end of this, you're not going to celebrate me when I ask for help. When they cut the hours, because when it's over, somebody on the other end is going to get laid off. It's not even about the cut hours. It's about the environment itself. Can you imagine breathing in sanitizing? material if you're working every day um, at three or four times the level um, right. and you have no health insurance, what that could possibly do. We're not even talking right. about the shortfalls that their children are enduring right now, being out of school, and in some cases, people having to leave their kids at home. I just pray every day that no child ends up, you know, in a house fire or, or you know, abducted or something like that because, Trust me, there are some people leaving their kids who should not be left at home alone because they have no choice. Yeah. Right. 
Absolutely. Even the drive-thrus, when you look at it, you know, people, there's this false sense of comfort of, oh, I went through the drive-thru. You know, I, I was chastising one of my seasoned friends on Facebook because I was on the phone with her. <laughs> And she's in, like, I'm talking to her, and she's in line at Frenchie's. I hear her ordering the campus special and a side of them. And I'm thinking to myself, It is good, why though. It is good. It is. It is. It's really good. Frenchie's that lemon pie. I mean, that lemon cake. You haven't had that lemon cake. You listening. Yes, you can get a whole one for $25. I'm not sure about now, but usually you can get a whole one for $25. But, but she's in line, and I'm thinking, what what are you thinking? You're over sixty five. You are like prime time. Like you should really, you know, you should really be at home. And I, I really think we're finally. I think the government is showing its hand, kind of like in poker. Mm-hmm. There's this. Elu- I think we saw this in 2014. I don't know if you guys remember, but there was a citizen that jumped the fence at the White House, ran across the lawn and made it in and was caught, like, near the East Room or whatever. And I remember thinking to myself, you know, that they're so hush-hush about the Secret Service and, you know, the snipers and this and that, but I could just imagine that, you know, they probably have, you know, little mines across the lawn and, and you know, something much better than this little uh, home alarm system I have. So you really saw, no, it's literally just, they were able to get in, and the alarm was off. They have a regular alarm at the White House. The door wasn't locked. And I think that's where we are now, where yeah. we have this assumption that, like, oh, you know, the government has protocols. I mean, you know, they're always – Congress is always meeting, and there are all these – you drive around D.C., you see all these different departments, and you just think that mm-hmm. they're prepared to pull somebody in somebody's office. There's a binder. And then they flip to the page for pandemic and start choosing <laughs> options, you know, and then they have a conference call with the governors and then they pass it. And it's no, we had the governor of Georgia the other day say that he's going to shut down the state because he just found out within the past 24 hours that it mm-hmm. can be, you know, contagious without showing symptoms. And I thought to myself, I'm a common person. I'm a peasant in Texas who just watches the news every evening. And I mm-hmm. you're the governor of a state with a cabinet and I mean wow. You have resources no at your it. disposal. Yeah. Yet you chose to because again, that's what it talks about, the lack of leadership. There should have been a leadership call with all the governors, regardless of party affiliation that share the honest and brutal truth about how dire the situation is, and here is the recommended plan. I need you to enforce this. Don't make me sign an executive order. That's what should have happened, and it should have happened before our community started dying at a higher rate. Absolutely. Do you think they're leading out of fear, out of fear of not being reelected? Of course they are. This entire, and you know what? At the last pandemic this country saw, the Democrats took control of the national and state government for 20 years. That may very well happen again. So, again, you're, you're looking at all this. I'm talking about from 1918. History can repeat itself at this point because right now 
all the states who are holding out and all the states who are, oh, this is not a big deal, are not led by Democratic governors. Right. They are right. the states of the party in leadership who, in their in their desire to motivate and keep people, I don't know, in the dark, um, because guess what, it's not as dire, I don't know, what their thoughts are, but they want to stay in power. They have created this vortex of misinformation, disinformation, and distrust. No, You know, Jesus himself will have to come and tell me that Alabama has less than 2,000 cases when every state around them has double, <laughs> triple, et cetera. Jesus right. would have to come right. and tell me that. Right. Like, this is, right. the, this is where we are. I think, and here's what I've heard, because I've actually had conversations with um, elected that are, that are Republicans, and he and, and some some like, like one of my friends is a chief of staff for a Republican, and his thing was this, and it's 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 baffling, but at least I see their where they're coming from. I don't agree, but what they're saying is that there should there's this whole thing about libertarianism or liberty and the fact that the government that there should be local control so like the governor shouldn't be the one to do it if it's going to be anybody it should be the county judge and that, like there's that whole belief but the problem that we have is most basically every large metropolis so we say Chicago New York LA all down if it's a big city it's normally a blue area Right, and it's controlled by blue people, and that's where, after the abolition of slavery, where black people flocked to, right? Chicago, Houston, New York, L.A., and so usually around those areas, you have sort of these these you know suburban areas, and then just outside of there, you have rural areas where they're kind of going by a different set of rules. And here's what's going to be really horrible about that is the rural, the rural populations have the least amount of health care available and have the least amount of hospitals available. So in, if and when this spreads to those areas, we're really going to see the dire warnings come at that point because that's going to be the base of all of these Republican leaders as they're looking to get reelected. Those people will be impacted. Absolutely. You know, I, I remember when Hurricane, I think it was Ike, happened, and I happened to be working at the prison. Um, I happened to be working at the Central Unit in Sugarland, and I'll never forget the rest of the world was like no power, no lights, no this, no that for like three days after the the um, it, it made landfall. But at work. They were so far ahead in their thinking, that binder that I was talking about earlier, they actually had one. So we had, you know, like oil barrels. They had barrels full of water that were delivered like Mm -hmm. a week out, right, lined up. We had food that, if necessary, was non-perishable, where we could have lasted Mm -hmm. for 11 days if need be. And they had had backup in Huntsville just in case. I mean, there was this meticulous – there was a binder somewhere, and we literally just, you know, we were just waiting on orders, and the orders rolled down. And so where is that here, and are they really shooting from the hook, from the, from the hip, I mean? You like, have people, there... yes. 
because you have inexperienced people running FEMA, inexperienced people in place at the CDC, the disbandment of the pandemic office, the disbandment of so many other services that played into driving that playbook that you're speaking of, all that's gone. It's replaced with the people who actually paid um, campaign money and people who are doing political favors. Those are the people that are in positions that they have no, just no position to be in. They should, never, should have never be, been considered. It's just that simple. Right. And the fact and that I, Congress do you think has people not will, acted is driving me crazy. But will people forget in November? If this let's, no. let's just give this scenario. <laughs> if this stops in let's just say June, God willing it'll stop sooner. <laughs> but let's just say June. People tend to have short memories. They'll forget so, in June. Will this be a third week? They won't, for, they won't forget because you forget this is thought to be a seasonal virus that thrives in fall, winter weather. September, come, we will be social distancing again because we don't have a plan. Right. They won't forget. And by then, the commissions that are being set up now to look at why black people were and black and Latina people and people of lower income were impacted by a disease that was brought from abroad. Um, when that commission comes out and when it looks at how slow this administration was, was to act, because trust me, the House, the House will not let that go. Come June, July, whenever they, they're back in session, there will be a reckoning as to why the response was so slow. Why did tests take 83 days to make it to most states? There, there's going to have to be some answers there. But I, I would disagree, though. I would disagree. I think if, God willing, if you know, we're up in June, I think people will forget because if you look historically, people don't. People have done horrible things. People have done horrible things. I, um, I, I, go ahead. I, I don't think that's true. When I think about the fact that you can't bury your loved one for 45 to 60 days um, because you can't have a funeral, uh, I tend to think um, that your child's life, their, their milestones in life, they're graduating from high school or graduating from college, all of these things have been forever impacted. I think death is a lot different than displacement. Okay, I, but if you, if the the here's the issue that I that I look at though, it, there was a Gallup poll that came out that said the majority of Americans disapprove of Congress as a whole. However, that same bucket of people were asked, do they approve of their congressperson? And they did. That's where the problem comes in. There's so many people who don't know exactly who to blame. And this is something mm-hmm. that, you know, last year, you know, me and some folks were talking about the fact that the average voter does not know who to complain to when X happens, right? Mm-hmm. If it's the street, yeah. it's city hall. If it's the school, it's the school district. If it's a state rule or, you know, having to do with education, that's the state board of education. So over the years, what's happened is tell now wags the dog. And it's scary because I have literally been in rooms in meetings where some horrible stuff went down 
and they literally said this will be over in four days. We need four days because that'll put us in another media cycle. Oh, I'm sure that's the case. I I get the media cycle, but but you have to think about it through the lens of the the economy nearly collapsed and we will have a recession. And when you look at where we were, let's say, in 2006, 2007, when that happened and the entire party even turned on the president at that time, there will be no question we are going to go into a recession we're not going to have a plan on the other side of this. There will not be the forgetfulness that you're suggesting here because people will still feel the pain and the economic impact. It won't be as simple as a new news cycle. It, it, and if you look it, it, at the polls from today, the polls from today were 55% of people said across all 12 different polls, conservative, liberal, the ones that are actually accurate, 55% say they disapprove of how this administration is handling this. And the number went up from 35% being concerned about where we're going to almost 60% being concerned. When you look at those numbers, and I'm not talking about Democrats. I'm talking about everybody. But here's the question, though, because from – okay – I think people will forget, and let me explain why. Because we're we're forgetting now. We we are all for you know, um, the government should tell people to stay home, and the government should tell people you know your quarantine and all of that. And my my thought process, and and if you're an essential worker, you have to have a letter. So my first thought process went to slavery. And and all of that, where once you were free, I guess, or if whomever allowed you to travel somewhere, you were given a letter. So I I think Absolutely. we have to be careful when we trust the government Absolutely. that participated Absolutely. in slavery, not only participated, Absolutely. legislated, and yes. profited from slavery. Yes. So we, we have I, to be careful when we look at this government and understand that people tend by the time November comes, if this if this is all over, people tend to say, "Well, we made it. We made it. We made it. We're out of it." So we can't blame him because guess what? This hasn't happened in you know since 1917, 1918. So why are we blaming the president? We did. We wouldn't know what to do when you two can actually get together and give a playbook to the president of what to do and what not to do. Right. So I, I would even I hear you. I hear you, but I don't <laughs> because for uh, you're right. You, we've I'm never we've never been through we've never been through this in our lifetime. Right. You're absolutely right. Right. But if I look at the catastrophic things that we have been through under different administrations, be it Katrina, be it the economic um, recession. When I look at those things alone, I I didn't see people forgetting. This is even on a more personal level because it won't be it was something out of his control. He, he, He couldn't control it. He could control his response to it. And I think that's where the focus will be from political strategists around this entire country, not just for him. Even Democratic governors like the sweetheart of Michigan, her response was slow, lax, and delabored. 
at the end of the day, people are going to look at, okay, you couldn't control that it was happening. It's a natural disaster, but you can control how you responded to your constituents in that natural disaster. I'll give you another example. I'll give you another example. I found it hilarious during the Democratic primary, okay, that people started taxing Michael Bloomberg for stop and frisk, which was a very racist, very wrong uh, policy to have, right? And rightfully mm-hmm. so. Mm-hmm. It made the national news. People turned their backs in Alabama as he spoke, right? Now, at the same time, you have Joe Biden, okay, who literally worked with segregationists in the 70s as a sitting U.S. senator, who's been on the wrong side of so many other issues, who was in favor of and said some horrible things behind the, the what was it, the, the war on drugs, right, and that horrible uh, mm-hmm. uh, legislation that came out of it. Now, for some reason, he gets a pass, and I believe the reason is the tell wags the dog. I think there is a concerted effort. I'm not one of those hoteps, though, with a hat on that's like, oh, it's a big conspiracy. That you know, But I do believe that you have news directors, right, and you have these captains of industry that decide what we consume in the media. They decide what the narrative is. I, 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 I don't think I don't think Biden has gotten a pass. I think that what you want to think about is looking at the totality of records. Mike mm-hmm. Bloomberg, Trump and Trump was the least of his issues. Let's be very candid. Mm-hmm. That was if you had to put a, a list of his issues out there, that's going to be the smallest of of about twelve. The, mm-hmm. From the time he changed parties, from the time that he's harassed women, there's just so much. There's right. a lot more baggage there. I'm right. not suggesting that there's any perfect candidate, but I wouldn't use that as the lever, but did people forget? Because stop and frisk, as you said, you said people forget. People forget. No, stop and frisk has not been a policy in New York until the last year. What, he's been out of office seven years. So nobody forgot that. Nobody forgot how that changed the way our communities look in the state of New York. Nobody's going to forget how this pandemic which is wiping out entire zip codes of black people. And I'm not exaggerating. I'm telling you, every in some blocks, there are families, somebody in every family who's impacted by this. I don't see anybody saying, let's forget this come November. No. Well, I don't, well we, I don't we have to also be... consider, consider, we, we can go back a little further. Consider Bill Clinton and three strikes. And when they mm-hmm. drop bombs of crack in the community mm-hmm. and kill so much potential and maybe potentially the cure for this disease. So right. uh, we continue to kind of hold him up as the first African-American president, which he was not. It was right. Obama. Okay. Right. Let, let me clear mm-hmm. the air with this right now. So when you have – People saying, okay, but, you know, he did other good things, and he very well may have. I don't know his full record, but I know three strikes did some damage to our communities. I know when they dropped in our community to crack and all of that, that did some damage because we weren't going to other countries bringing that into our community. So when I say people forget, it becomes a distant memory 
of, okay, I'm going to keep being a Democrat. And I'm right. not telling people to change parties or what have you. You do what you do. But right. when you forget that some Democrats have hurt us, some people who have been in office for 20, 30, and 40 years can't even mm-hmm. point yeah. to what they've done and brought back to your yeah. community. So you have been right. a, a congressperson for over 20 years, but what can I point to in this community, other than you attending the church service and coming late, do not make me start preaching today. What? Right. But in, in the defense of the current party, in the defense of the current party, <laughs> I'm going to get on this soapbox for a minute. I can look to the 42 yes. pieces of legislation that Joe Biden has pushed through during his time in office and tell you exactly that 19 of them directly impacted the African-American community in a positive fashion, whereas I cannot do that with any other candidate of the 22 that were there at any so, point in time. So if we were to, so if we were to hypothetically look through this crystal ball, right, I think the people that are in the, in the, in the, that are in the anti-Trump box, right, will not vote for Trump. I don't think he's going to win that many over, Okay. I think when it comes to that that Trump box, it's locked, right? Like, I don't think he's going to lose any. I don't think he's going to lose anything. And I also think we got to look at this. When it comes to elections, there there's like this this back row of deadlines that has to happen before an election can happen. Okay, I'll give you an example here here in Houston. The District B race. It was a city council race. The person who came in second place. It was unexpected. For her to be in second in the runoff, she had a felony, right? The city didn't take her off the ballot initially because the thought was, and this is just rumored, the thought was, well, she's not going to get in the runoff. Let's not make a big fuss about it, right? Well, she's in the runoff. So you have the number three person that goes and sues, and I'll never forget when they said this election is not going to happen until May at the the earliest, right? Because you have to Mm -hmm. think. Before the ballot, you have X amount of days before the let, before early vote that you have to have voter registration. You have to have X amount of days where people can mail in their ballot. The ballot has to be printed by a certain date. You have so, states that haven't even had their um, they haven't had their primaries yet, so that will, and that they're will not. All at a, but that will all happen at a state level. Nothing short of all of us being dead in November will stop this election. Okay, you know. I'm, I'm gonna bet. I'm going to bet. I'm going to bet. Here's my proof proof of that. We're in the middle of a pandemic, and the Supreme Court forced Wisconsin to hold their primary today after they have sheltered sheltered out of 182 polling locations, 14 were open today. 14. Wow. So when when I think about that, and this question has been asked several times already, they've already asked, like, what would happen? The president has no authority whatsoever to delay an election, and as crappy as it may be, where it's dependent on whether or not we will leave our homes to go and vote, that's going to happen. Now, the lower-level elections, I have no idea. You're absolutely right. City. Our city moved our May elections to to November, actually. So who knows what's going to happen? But on a national level, this will go forward. He will not get a pass or a push, if you will. Will he be reelected? All all it takes, 
Will we be reelected? fair in this? That's who's going to decide this election. I think he's going to be reelected. I know it's unpopular. I think he's going to be reelected. And it and, and if you look historically at any time a president has taken the nation through a rough patch, whether it was his fault or not. The, his approval ratings will go up because we're eventually going to get over this, and we're eventually going to have the next election. His approval I ratings, think. the bloom is off the rose already. And again, I have to point to President George Bush in the collapse of the banking industry. They had a candidate lined up. They had everybody in place, and look what happened. To say that, well, that this is secure and that he's, he has nothing to worry about, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be so sure on that. I think it's I think that's different because I think I think usually each party gets two uh you know you're gonna get your two terms and then it's gonna swing in the opposite direction. I think Jimmy Carter did very get one after his economic crisis. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that, so, that is true. Listen, true. I thought about I forgot, look, I forgot about Jimmy Carter. <laughs> I am not about to give this to the Republicans. This is not their this is not they have not shown an ounce of leadership, an ounce of resilience or any way to lead us in any form or fashion. America definitely is a third world country in a Gucci belt. This is Absolutely. Wow, that's perfect. I said the same thing. I said that it was a there was a, a thin veneer over it, you know. That that it it looked like chrome, <laughs> but when you got close it was actually plastic wrapped with that little silver oh my God. stuff. Like no, th- that is yes. that's literally it. I, I don't, I don't. I think, Tanessa, I think you pay attention. I think I'm paying attention. I think you know everybody's paying. A lot of people paying attention. But um, what's sad is there are people out there right now. It's sad mm-hmm. but true that are not connecting the dots. There but are people right now who don't know. That's what we're saying. What's going to connect the dots? What we're saying, Tanessa. Well, what we're saying is Tanessa. They're wait. They're still waiting, though. But what we're saying is, we agree with what you're saying. Yes. What but side of this is what we have seen happen so often. Uh, maybe the checks won't come until September, so that people will still be happy uh, coming in November. Well, he did give us a check, even though it was supposed to start going out this week. That's what they initially mm-hmm. said. And I don't know. Have they started going out? No, I haven't heard. Just anything. as the small business so. loans haven't started going out for payroll protection, exactly. yeah. just as exactly. the just as the um, additional um, gap dollars that were supposed to go into unemployment, nothing is mm-hmm. moving forward at this moment. Yeah. and you know what? So they this pushed the bill through just for it to be delayed on various levels because the bill's been pushed through with no directive and no playbook. Well, and they, they don't have the the infrastructure in place to to turn on a dime with certain things, right? So, like, you know, Absolutely. you can turn a, a Corolla around in the middle of the street. A Metro bus is going to take a lot to change things around. And so when I saw that the Small Business Administration was going to be kind of leading part of the – they don't have the infrastructure for mm-hmm. that. They, they don't, don't have the infrastructure the resources. So let's just call that out. They, they are not. They are a very lean organization. They can't right. even administrate what they've been asked to administrate. <laughs> right, let alone being responsible for, you know, 
all of this. And so I think of the I think of the end of the day, you you do have, you have a small. I think sometimes we get optimistic, and I I used to assume that people paid attention. I used to assume, right? And then I got mm-hmm. to the point where, you know, people I, – I would actually talk to people and understand, wait a minute, we're not educating each other. We're not having these conversations at home. You know, I have aunts and uncles mm-hmm. that, you know, maybe didn't know the, the difference between the primary and the general, right? Like I literally yeah. had people that were asking, "Wait, mm-hmm. what are we voting now? What now? What is this?" And I was like, "It's like the playoffs. It's the playoffs. The nationals are going to be the championship game is in November, basically. So you're choosing which, you know, like there's so, so many civic classes. Yeah. I, I agree with you. Understanding how government works and civic classes are very lacking in our communities abroad. It's not ours. Everybody's. No one knows why X, Y, and Z is happening." But I'm going to tell you, I still believe, <laughs> I still believe that people who three weeks ago thought they would have a check in hand, whether it was through unemployment or through the IRS, in order to keep their families going this week, they will not forget that. Well, I mean, and, and I, that's what I'm saying. I'm going to disagree. I'm going to tell you, back in, in 2008, I was working for a labor union. And that had endorsed uh, uh, Hillary Clinton, and everyone thought she was going to win. It was going to be eighty percent, ninety percent. That morning they were saying ninety percent, right? But I'll never forget having a conversation with some folks in Michigan that were saying she hasn't been here. That's not what we're hearing at the doors. Some people don't know that it's an election. There's a lot of other stuff going on, and sure enough, it, it, it fell through. I, I don't disagree with you on that at all. I don't listen. I look at polling. I take it for what it's worth. But I know, yeah, half of Wayne County didn't show up in Michigan. So of course, yeah. Trump won. But when you look at the yeah. popular vote, she won the popular vote. Now again, here's what I do know. At the end of the day, I do believe that more people disliked Hillary in 2016 than loved Bernie in 2020. And that's yeah. the thing that that I, I would say I would say even with this formidable candidate in Hillary Clinton going against you know he was he was opponent Donald Trump he was opponent Donald Trump it's going to be very hard it's it's happened very rarely where you knock off the president you know and, and I, I I do believe all it takes is one state just one state to delay their because here's the thing, Trump still has to be nominated, officially nominated in all these states. No, he Even doesn't. He they, all, they already gave that up. They already gave that up. The RNC, they suspended all of their primaries. Well, he does uh, not have to be nominated. He is their sitting nominee. But down the line, you have governors that have to be elected. There are other races that are on that that are on that ballot, right, on the Republican side. It's the same thing with Democrats. So, in most states, most states now – you're right. The ballot has to be set by October 1 in most states. But most states now are not allowing you to, to vote straight ticket. So it's going to be up to those individuals to get on the ballot. And as of now, no one has suggested in, in anything I've seen that there needs to be a runoff if they've suspended their primaries or anything like that. I do not think that so, the federal government elections will be held up because of local um, and state officials. 
Now, we're, we're going to certainly have um, more conversations about this national election. I see the passion from both of you <laughs> on both sides. But before we go, the purpose, as always, for this show is to go beyond words. Um, we, we all have – first, I want you to rate the leadership um, locally as well as nationally uh, as far as A through F. And then I want you guys to give people more insight into who should they be listening to. Should they be watching um, news all the time or where should they – find their resources in terms of the truth, because there are a lot of rumors out there. People are posting stuff that's not even true, and they, they aren't doing the research. But as it relates to leadership, what grade do you give the current leadership and their response as far as the White House, and who should people listen to? Darrell? I'm going to say start at the national level, uh, F. I'm going to say at the state level, I'm going to give them a, a, a D plus. I'm going to stay at the local level. I live here in Houston. I'm going to give, you know, the county judge and the mayor a D. I think it's been, wow. it, it's been very uneasy. I think it's been very, one of the things that, that when I used to work at the prison and eventually I got, you know, promoted or whatever, the warden told me, you may, you won't always make the right decision but make decisions that make sense, and no matter what, stick with that decision. Because when you start changing stuff, you lose the, 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 the will of the people. People can't really trust you. They won't, they won't feel secure in what you say. And so I think that's where the county and the city have dropped the ball. It's very inconsistent. And where there's anxiety already, it's like, wow, I'm realizing how little control or how, much, how little thought uh, has been put into it. And then the second part of what she asked, you said uh, things other, who should people be listening to? I think yeah. if, if you look at, uh, you know, every day the, the, gov- the governor of your state is going to be having uh, uh, some type of a coronavirus update. I'll be following those people at, the, at, the, at, at your very local level. So maybe not the county judge, but I'm paying attention to the director of uh, Harris County Health. I'm paying attention to what they're saying and what they're recommending because they usually talk without opinion. They're talking in numbers. They're talking in facts, and, and there's no other way around that. And then lastly, I'll say um, understanding that there's not – there's been no information around where do you apply for stamps, who, who – you know, what number to call, when, and who, who qualifies, who doesn't. I think – Realizing that there's not enough of that, I'm going to kind of just pick that up, and I'll uh, reach out to some folks tonight, and we'll probably have a conference call later this week, and we'll put up a site, or we may link to it on the HoustonJustice.org site, and we'll start going through our list and actually calling people. We're at home. We ain't got nothing else better to do. So, uh, you know, that's one of the things that I'll do, and reaching out to, you know, people in my community who I know need this info. Uh, and just calling and making sure that, that they get it and sharing that online. Okay. Okay. And um, Chinessa, the grade so that you a, give yeah. in terms of leadership well, and who should we definitely listen to? give them an F on, on every level of preparedness, responsiveness, action plan, et cetera. Um, I don't think we've ever seen a more dysfunctional and inactive government um, 
who seems to think they're doing a lot with a lot of the talking that they, that they are doing each day. I would tell people to actively avoid those daily press conferences because there's nothing actionable that comes out of it other than to see the president act like a toddler as he's attacking people throughout the room and throwing out misinformation and disinformation. I would avoid that knowing that national news, ABC, NBC, CNN, CNBC, MSNBC, all of them, New York Times, everybody will report anything that is of a factual nature that comes out of that press conference. If you watch that thing, you may put yourself into this pace that everything is going to be okay when the room is really on fire. Is literally the house is on fire and we're hanging drapes. When I look at the, the state level leadership, I would give Greg Abbott a resounding D minus. Um, he has not shown any backbone of fortitude to drive compliance or to have an actual action plan for Texas, but he always wants to talk about Texas is going to show people how to get it done. No, we're not, because we're going to die. That's what's going to happen. So he's a no. The person I would I will say locally, Judge Clay Jenkins, over over Dallas County has been the most sound authority I have heard yeah. on this entire matter during this entire thing. I trust him wholeheartedly with what the words that he has shared from day one. He has never sugarcoated. He has never had to. Um, glad hand anybody. He's been very clear and decisive. And when he actually sent the cease and desist to Hobby Lobby when no other judges would, that let me know that he had my best interest in mind. He was not thinking about dollars and cents. From a governor perspective, I will say Governor Mike DeWine out of Ohio is doing a great job. And I would say that Andrew Cuomo is doing a great job. And I would look to those individuals to see what they're doing in their states that are hit hard or that they've managed, Ohio has managed to contain it a lot better than Michigan, um, even though their action plans were one day apart in some cases. I'd have to look to what is the leadership doing. And I would say those two, with their daily briefings, are working. Excellent. Well, thank you guys for another lively discussion, and uh, we'll we'll be talking about the election again, definitely, just to kind of see how this all turns out, whether people's memories fade uh, come November, or whether, you know, he has these staunch supporters who are saying, regardless, we're going to the ends of the earth. You know, I, I spoke with someone the other day, and I said, people wonder how slavery happened. People wonder how Hitler happened. Watch television, Mm -hmm. and you will see when people decide to follow somebody blindly, you know. And, again, thank you guys, Shanessa and Darrell. We will definitely be back next week for Beyond Words on your 50-minute radio network. Good night.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.